Hello and welcome to the Denver Homes Market Report. This is your local real estate expert and host of the show, Ricky Schoonover of Mode Real Estate. You know, I was just live in the studio with Calvin Parker Jr. over there at Denver Open Media. For those of you who are not familiar, Denver Open Media is an amazing local radio station. You know, they are pretty unique in that every local artist who submits their work gets airtime. However, this radio station is interactive with the audience as well. You have the ability to cast votes for your favorite artists and content. The more votes that are received, the more airtime that particular artist or that content gets uh, provided. And I just really love this about Denver Open Media. You know, they also have a segment on Sundays called Podcast Sundays, where they play podcasts from producers here locally. And that playset includes, of course, a rotation of the Denver Homes Market Report by yours truly. I'm proud to have me and my website, denverhomesmarket.com, sponsor such an organization for local artists. Well, today is the first Thursday of July, and that leads us right into tomorrow's first Friday Art Walk here in the Arts District on Santa Fe. You know, ADSF is a great organization dedicated to promoting local artists and galleries right here in the district. Now, I want to give a quick shout out to the district and remind you that yes, you know, First Friday is the largest event. However, one night a month is just not enough for the galleries. We need your help in creating a similar atmosphere for the other events that are also held each month. The first event I would like to invite you to is the monthly event known as Third Friday. On the third Friday of each month, for which this month will be Friday, July 21st, mark your calendars, many of the galleries will stay open later. And it's more of a collector's night. It's not quite as busy. So you can come into the galleries, speak with the gallery owners, and oftentimes run into the artists as well. It's not quite as busy as the first Fridays, so you'll have more time to just stroll around. You know, pop into the wine bar. There's a new wine bar in the area. Well, not really new, but newer wine bar. It's called Room for Friends. Or, you know, stop over there to Rocky Yama Sushi. They have excellent sushi. Or head down for a hi-fi sensory experience at ESP. Have yourself a nice uh, craft cocktail there. Then, from there, bounce along Santa Fe and hit the art galleries. Then, of course, the last Sunday of each month, there's an event also known as Sundays on Santa Fe. And it's during the day, right around 11 o'clock. Galleries open up. And we are really hoping to get this event up and running uh, before COVID, there was enough traffic where several of the galleries were then offering some brunch bites and some beverages while you were browsing the galleries. We'd love to get enough interest to really make that last Sunday on Santa Fe as much of an art walk as it is a brunch tour. So mark your calendars for first Fridays, third Fridays, and the last Sunday for Sundays on Santa Fe. Okay, well that's all my endorsements for the day. They're not paid endorsements. I just love these places. Um, let's talk about real estate here in the Mile High City. You know, real estate market, it took a bit of a dip late last year. I remember bracing you here in my podcast, embracing myself as well, as I was seeing the market turn south. You know, the days on market were just, you know, one of the indicators, but we were seeing the median days on market growing, you know, from being like eight and nine days on the market to getting to be 38 and 45 days on the market. And that was a stark contrast to what we were seeing just about a year or so prior, where if your home was on the market longer than the first weekend and you were not swimming in multiple offers by Monday, then buyers started thinking something was wrong with your home. <laughs> 
Then of course, you know, prices start to slow down as well. I was seeing a five to maybe 10% drop in home prices and the inventory was starting to grow. These were all kind of pointing towards a market slowdown. And then the feds were indicating they would continue their aggressive rate hike stance as well. So all this was brewing in what really could have gone either way. And you know, very well could have continued on this downward trend. However, the feds finally started to ease up on their rhetoric and they started to slow down on the rate hikes. They even put a pause on rate hikes just you know, for a moment there. This all helped the market build some stability and realization that the high six and the low seven percentage rates were going to be the new normal as far as rates were concerned. And this is where we've been now for most of this year. Now, interest rates have been fluctuating right in that 6% you know, range, touching up in the low 7 range in some of those cases. However, that has not stopped the market. Obviously, the market is not as crazy busy as it was, but that is a good thing. Everyone who lived through the real estate bubble back there in 2009 through 10 area knows we do not want to blow the market up to the point where it implodes. So now, we are in a pretty balanced market. There are reasons out there for sellers to sell, and there are reasons out there for buyers to buy. And this stability in the market is what we are needing. And so far, it looks like the feds are finding the right balance to slowing the economy, slowing inflation, without plunging us into an all-out recession. Right now, we are seeing some competitive bidding on homes, but not all the homes out there are being competitively bid. Only the ones that are really well-priced and professionally presented. While other homes, while they're not professionally staged, they're not you know, cleaned up or they have other detractors, those homes are sitting on the market longer and they are also selling for less money. So the moral of the story is get a realtor involved early on in your process. We can help you understand where the market is at this very moment and what steps we'll need to take for you as a buyer or a seller in order to get you the best deal possible in the current market. You know, I have another topic I want to bring to the discussion today. Um, this was something I brought up with Calvin uh, during our recent visit there to the studio there at Denver Open Media, and we touched on this kind of as a teaser for today's podcast. You know, I was live on air, and the real estate deal that I was referring to was still being negotiated, and I did not want to bring up the specifics of that particular deal at that time. However, we are still in contract, um, but we've now worked through all the details. So I want to bring you a real-world scenario. Uh, this happens to be happens very often in, in real estate. And in this case, I'm representing the buyers. So we'll kind of talk from a buyer's standpoint here. We put on our offer. Our offer gets accepted. And shortly after we go to contract, of course, we schedule our inspections for the home. Now, these inspections are not a pass or fail of the home. These inspections are not to determine if the home is perfect. You know, I have been asked by so many people on various deals, did the home pass inspections? But I have news for you. I've been doing this for 20 years now and no home is perfect. Not new homes, not old homes, not houses, not condos. Every home will have some sort of issues. That is just the reality. The inspectors are not there to pass or fail in that scenario. The inspectors are there to hopefully identify areas that need attention, but they do not inspect the home and then give it a gold star if it all checks out or give it a red check mark if it doesn't. Uh, these inspections simply let the buyer know what the condition and then 
let the buyer decide if they still want to buy the home or not. Sometimes there may be a major flaw found and the buyers don't even want to you know, buy the home at that point at all. Luckily, this is pretty rare. However, what is very common is for buyers to bring these defects to the attention of the seller and ask them to either fix the defects or perhaps credit the buyer so the buyer can take care of it after closing. However, in this case, the sellers had done a ton of work to this home before they went to market. They even tested their water well before going to market. Now this home is up in the base of the mountains up there near Conifer, uh, just west of Denver. So the property is serviced with a, with a private well. You know, as we were setting up the inspections, the sellers were very confident that they had identified every issue and had dealt with it ahead of time. So they figured this home was gonna come back with nothing by way of repairs. Well, then of course we had the inspections and yes, the home had a lot of you know updates to it, newer systems, the roof was newer and of good quality. The septic system, however, had some trees growing in the leach field, which the septic company had recommended those trees to be removed. You know, this was strike one to the seller's willingness to do anything my buyers were asking. Uh, my buyers were concerned those tree roots may uh, eventually disrupt the leach field and cause problems with the septic backing up. The seller's stance was, well, the trees had been there for at least as long as they had lived there. In fact, the trees were established when they moved in and the septic company at that time when they purchased several years ago did not think the trees were an issue. So we went back and forth over these trees until finally we got the sellers to agree to remove them as was recommended by the inspector. Then the water well test came back and had tested positive for bacteria. The sellers at this point were quite upset. They had just tested the well prior to going to contract and the well was clear at that point. The sellers kind of dug in their heels and they were not gonna budge on this issue. You know, we didn't know if they had a false, pos a false negative or if we had a false positive. My buyers, rightly so, also dig their heels in and say, well, we're not gonna buy a home with the water well testing positive for bacteria. This got pretty emotional on both sides and both were standing their ground. The problem is we have a contract. Both buyers and sellers had agreed upfront to this contract to execute it in good faith. Decontaminating a well is very common. It needs to be done when bacteria is found. It's really not a big deal. So what's the solution in this case? We would you know, need to chlorinate, then dechlorinate the well. Then if needed, add a whole house water filter with a UV light, which would then kill bacteria moving forward. The whole process only takes a few days and then the filter needs to you know, be installed. And that would bring up the total cost for this whole process to be about $2,000. We could not get the sellers to budge. They were still saying they already tested the well. <clears throat> My buyers were you know, done with the sellers at this point. They felt they were trying to sell them a house with a contaminated well. So here we are choosing not to move forward on a contract from either side over a dispute, which is only about $2,000. Now, don't get me wrong, $2,000 is a lot of money, but in the scheme of things, it's a tiny percentage of this home's caliber and value. Luckily, the listing broker in this particular situation is one of my colleagues. We were able to work out a resolution that everybody could live with and move forward. So what's the moral of this story? I want to take you back to my earlier comment. Find a realtor with experience. Find a realtor you trust call that realtor into your situation, whether you're a buyer or a seller, as early as possible. 
Start building that trust and be ready for some frank and blunt conversations when things get emotional. If you wait till the last minute before you're ready to transact, you call that first realtor that pops up on the consumer quote unquote free website for this home that you suddenly want to buy. Sure, I'm sure you'll get a realtor to come help you, you know, look at the home. However, do you really know this person? Do you, you know, have a relationship with this realtor? Do you trust this realtor that you just met on the steps of this house 20 minutes ago and now you're getting ready to go write a contract? Of course not. This is why I always stress to my clients and my future potential clients, get me involved early on. Do not wait until you're ready to buy or sell to seek out my professional advice. You know, here, let's play a little game. Let's say you were falsely accused of a crime. Say you were pulled over and the police decided that since your balance wasn't great, you seemed nervous, and they say you failed a field sobriety test, and they arrest you for a DUI. Would you wait until you were walking right into the courtroom before you call an attorney to start getting some professional advice? Of course not. You would be calling an attorney as soon as possible and working with that attorney for weeks, if not months, before you first got your chance to go see a judge. I would rather work with you for six months to a year and have a super solid level of trust rather than just jump in the last minute, not really have that relationship built up prior. You never really know what might come up in a transaction, but it's always easier to handle issues when we have a strong foundation of trust. On that note, here's another story. I had a different client. We were out looking at homes not too long ago. We found a house. They really liked it. But then when we got back after our tour, I called the listing broker and the listing broker says, well, you know, you can submit an offer, but we've already got a cash offer and that cash offer is pretty strong. So I call my clients and I let them know, you know, so we went ahead and offered on a different home that they also liked as well. Sadly, we were outbid on that particular deal. So after the weekend, the following Monday, I called back on that home that had that cash offer and guess what? The cash buyer was not prepared. They did not have their accounts all consolidated. They could not produce a proper proof of funds and the sellers were not wanting to deal with a buyer who seemed so ill prepared to buy a home. You know, I spoke to my client, we wrote up an offer. Ours was not cash, but guess what? We were very prepared. We had our lender letter, we were pre-approved, um, we provided our lender's contact information and invited the seller's broker to call our lender. Guess what? Because my buyer had reached out to me early on, we had all her financial ducks in a row and we won that contract. Just because my buyer was prepared, now she's a homeowner. So when you're th just thinking about buying or just thinking about selling a home, that is the time to start selecting your realtor and quite frankly, your advisor, not just to help you with the transaction, but to help you avoid any pitfalls by allowing me to help you get prepared for what could be an emotional ride that you're going to need someone with some experience and someone that you trust to help you navigate. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap up today's podcast. I sure hope you've enjoyed listening to the Denver Homes Market Report. If you have any questions or if you're thinking about buying or selling a home, even if you're six months to a year away, this is the time to call me. Get me involved as early as possible. The cost to you is the same. In fact, I will probably save you time and money once I know your situation and know how I can best help you get ready for your transaction. 
feel free to check out my website, www.denverhomesmarket.com. You can always call me direct. My cell phone number here is 720-688-5110. Once again, this is Ricky Schoonover of Mode Real Estate, and you have been listening to the Denver Homes Market Report. If you come out to First Friday tomorrow, shoot me a text. I'll be out and about in the district.